0: Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No, fucking
1: Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there?
0: I back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. Well, rich baby
1: i would like to introduce welcome to the ma4 money show episode 18 it is a big week it is a mega week it is probably the biggest week since ufc 244 we're talking cerrone mcgregor eventually um, we're going to talk about mainly the main card we have uh, one or two other things thrown in there of people we like some good bets that we like to make you guys money now I'm here with Mike Copenhaver at don't cope just win Mike how are you doing on this big week
0: I'm doing absolutely incredible man I can't wait to discuss these fights coming up this weekend I mean it feels like uh, finally a big events here I know we waited a few weeks to have some UFC in our life so I just I cannot wait to get going
1: now, I'm going to start doing this spiel a little bit more regularly since our numbers keep going up. We very much appreciate it. But since they are going up, two things that need to happen. I need to explain the format of the show for those of you that aren't used to it. Typically, we after our intro, we have a review of the most recent event. Obviously, there hasn't been one in a while. And if you go back, we've already reviewed the most recent UFC fight card. Uh, then we have a little bit of news and notes. And then we preview the upcoming fight card. Now, if you would like to go back, if you didn't get enough of the award shows, we have a nice little interesting spin on it. Or you want to hear some interesting talk about judging or breaking down the rankings per division we did that over these past two weeks when most shows took a break we did not take a break over these holidays to give you guys as much content as possible and then the number two thing we need to do for all the new listeners out there is to please rate, review and subscribe this podcast on youtube on stitcher on itunes on just about everything because then more people get to hear us along with you now First thing we're going to do is something we didn't get to last week. So if you listened to us last week on the docket was to go over how we break down fights. But as we had already passed an hour on that show, we thought it best to hold it off till this show since we only had 246 to talk to and nothing to review. So you know what? We're going to go into how we break down fights, talking about tape study, talking about matchups. So I'll put it this way to you, Mike. When you hear a fight comes up, what's the first thing you do? you only go into it if it's something you already have an initial take on do you look up past fights or tape study for however many of their past fights how, how do you do it how do you like what, what's the initial stages for you starting to look into a bet
0: well the, the first thing that i like uh is my initial instincts of just the feeling like i usually automatically months in advance whenever they announce a fight i'll just be like oh my god he's gonna kill that guy and um if it's one of those type of fights i don't even really need to do any tape study i'm gonna go with my instinct and go with my gut and i'm gonna slam it home but um if it's a fight that's just announced because i'm a degenerate like all of these other fans and uh gamblers that there are um i will then look up the fight and i will look up the past three opponents um and then i will usually you, most of the fights are not easily defined sometimes if you don't have a fight pass but uh, there's a, a site called MMA something core that you could use. I don't want to give it out too bad to ruin it, but it's, uh, it's very helpful to find matchups. Um, I'm sure you could use Google and, uh, just type in the matchup of the two fighters. It will pop up, uh, that, uh, specific fight that you wanted to watch. So I'll watch the last three. Um, I will judge how they, uh, how many their volume of punches in the last fight, especially uh, per round, um, that is a big thing for me and you is the volume. And then um, I also look up immediately is their jujitsu black, uh, the jujitsu ranking. I want to know what their belt ranking is, um, if they even care to have it. That's a huge thing for me because I'm a, a started wrestling in high school and I do jujitsu. So I just I, I want you to take that serious. So I, I'm automatically look up your jitsu and wrestling accolades. And if those uh those are better than the opponents, then I'm I'm all on board. And then it's so it's usually I just I want to make sure that the volume's there and then I got some striking or some jujitsu and some wrestling behind it. And then that's usually how I start from there.
1: Now you said you uh hold a lot onto belt rankings and uh, uh wrestling acumen. What is the most reliable sources you do for that? Because there have been times where I have looked tried to look up belts for certain guys and have not been able to find anything. So what's some uh, stereotypical things you go to
0: that you found reliable in that regard? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually find out that um, Instagram is the most successful way for me to find out someone's most recent belt ranking, yeah. usually because you've been working so hard in uh, that sport. you you kind of want to show it off or someone takes a picture of you at your dojo or gym and they, they put it up on you know, the gram or somewhere. So that's surprisingly usually my best way to find the most recent ranking of jujitsu uh, belts. And then I'll find out at all if the person cares about what they care about most. Do they care about modeling? Do they care about uh, p- posting boxing and training photos, or is there a lot of uh, IBJJF I- entries for ch- uh, jujitsu? Is there, like, is are they taking that specific thing serious that I'm looking at?
1: Well, and that's a very good point. And we are very fortunate um, in this realm of social media with fighters because I actually I haven't used Instagram in that way, but one of my favorite things to do. Uh, When I'm getting into looking into a fighter is you can look back at uh, training pictures and you could then you could actually see the type of bodies and guys that they're training with and see if they're training with the appropriate training partners to either get better or to be able to uh, shorten up. Certain deficiencies, especially like in an upcoming matchup with someone they're facing, exactly. which I always really like. So that's a very good point. I guess I haven't used it for that. I'm gonna have to make a note of that because I seem to always have trouble finding uh, their belts. But that's a good point because if, if they're making a certain belt, they're definitely going to flaunt it on social media. So that that's a very good point. Um, in terms of initial breakdowns uh, for fights for myself, before we go further into this, that way we have a more balanced perspective, and then we'll start doing a little bit more back and forth. Um, I agree with Mike. Your initial feeling is huge. Um, you don't want to go against it if you don't have to. <laughs> if you have, Sometimes you just have those feelings where you know exactly how the fight is going to play out. You can picture it. You can write it down. There is with, there's with no question. And if anything, overthinking it can get at you. That doesn't mean that your initial feeling for everything is just right and you bat a thousand and... There's certain feelings out of there for certain fights that it's just there. And usually what I do with that, similar to what Micah said, like pretty much when a fight's announced, you know. So if a fight is announced, I'd like to keep an ongoing list of fight announcements going if I can. Obviously, I miss some. I'm not on uh, Twitter or online 24-7. But when I do see them, I'll give an initial circling of who I think is going to win the matchup if it automatically pops out at me. And then I'll go back to that one later after a few days or something like that to see if it still jumps out at me and these are for the fight cards that are way in advance like uh and we're going to bring up one the fight announcements that's in a few months and that's one of the ones you just circle immediately and then you go back to it later one way i have a huge leaning is given the matchups that's not every fight obviously it depends on but there's certain fighters that have a stereotypical opponent that they lose to Not all fighters do, but by the time fighters hit that kind of veteran level where they are around like 20 or so fights, maybe a little bit less, a little bit more, they have a stereotypical kind of fighter they lose to. They could still beat that type of fighter, but they're making up a lot of ground if they have to beat him. It's going to be a hard fought decision or whatever just to beat a guy like that so those are my initial goings with it so mike after you have your initial leaning and you've broken down their volume yes i'm a big fan of volume too. anyone listen to this show that me and mike that's our like number one if you are a good volume striker that is a big check mark in your category because I, I think that that wins fights more often than it doesn't, especially if you have you're at least average in every other category. So after you've made those selections, you kind of balanced out. So what if you have a fighter who they have a similar output, similar belt level, and they're you're, like your normal go tos. Everything's even. Is there like a secondary category you'll go into to try to pick a winner or is that one that you just kind of walk away from and
0: say, you know what, there's easier money somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely depends. If it's too too even there, and I don't feel like there's a huge edge like that initial instinct leaning, uh, I'm definitely going to just find some else some blood elsewhere because there's definitely easier pickings. Um, I don't like the forced bets and that's why sometimes we, we just don't fire.
1: Completely agree there. One thing
0: you need to understand, and
1: most early bettors don't know this. I don't think it should be that big of a surprise. You don't have to bet on every fight or every fight that you know of one of the fighters.
0: Mike, go ahead. Yeah. So um, so what I would, but if I, uh, to help the fans, because that wasn't, might not, not be helpful. If there is, they they have to pick between the two. Then I'm gonna go. All right. Well, both are black belts. Well, is one a Hanzo Gracie black belt? Which, what school are they going to? And then once again in Instagram, who are they rolling with for real in Jiu Jitsu? Because you post often with your friends in the in the gym. And so that if it's between the two, I'm definitely gonna lean with the person that's training with the more hardcore dudes.
1: No, that's a, that's a very good point. Obviously, the level of competition. And that works the same thing with what I've brought up with looking at their training partners, just in all categories. It's like if they're training with nobodies, they could be a special talent and be able to handle it and still propel, especially if the camp is built around them. But in a lot of these situations, when you have someone that's training at a camp where they're not getting good looks, they're going to be able to beat the scrubs of the division. But once they actually get someone that's going to push back because they're not used to getting pushed back in the gym. So when they get pushed back, they can't handle it it. And those are the people that eventually need to move to a bigger gym. But definitely having the right training partners is is a major thing. And one thing I think people need to also realize, and we'll get into this in fights later, I know me and Mike have previously talked about it. There are certain factors, you could be better than a certain fighter in every way. But similar to what I have said before, where you have certain deficiencies Sometimes guys have like that one thing that you just can't handle. You could be a better fighter absolutely everywhere else. But if you can't handle an aggressive southpaw, like we'll talk about that later. Or if you can't handle like volume, which me and Mike have talked about. Actually, a lot of fighters can't handle volume. That's why it's a good initial thing to read. If you have, you're really good at takedowns, but you're really bad at top control. You're going to have your hands full with a really good uh, like guard jiu-jitsu player. Like These yeah. are just things that
0: are going to happen. Um, or if you don't have a really good sprawl uh, versus a wrestler, I- I'm betting against you almost all day.
1: Oh, absolutely. If your go-to defense towards a wrestler is trying to lock up that guillotine, it's not going to work. You might get guys on the lower edges of the division, maybe, and and for sure guys outside of the UFC. But I'm sorry, guys at the high enough level, they know what to do to get their head out of that position. Or to get you down hard enough that you get no leverage. It's just what's going to happen. So actually, what I think we should do, and it'll be a good example, I will go into a future fight card. Not UFC 246. We were for sure going to cover that in a tremendous way. But let's just even go to UFC Fight Night Rally. I'm going to pick a random fight card on there of guys that we know both guys in there. We're going to give you a brief thing what we might look at. uh, And just so you guys can kind of see where we're going with this. And I'm kind of springing this on Mike. This is the last minute. I just thought about this now and we'll go more in depth later, but we'll show you the, just the initial things we'll do. And I'll give the matchup. Then I'll throw it to Mike on what he might look for, the comparisons he might make. Then I'll do that. We'll give a blind pick, not blind pick. We know a little bit of info, but we haven't really looked into it super far. And then obviously we'll break that one more in depth next week before that happens in the co event at UFC Fight Night Raleigh Blades versus Dos Anjos is Rafael Dos Anjos versus Michael Chiesa at 170 so Mike how would you start with breaking this one down debating if you're going to d- take this one for a bet
0: oh man uh th- this is a a weird matchup um i think I, I i would instantly i would like i said i would go to the, the striking, I already know that the Rafael dos Anjos has the better uh, kicks and the and the better striking. So I automatically, I, I don't even think I'd study anything more on that on that end. Um, it could get me in trouble, but I just don't see anything happening. Um, <clears throat> Chiesa, I I so we'd go to jujitsu, and I, I know that Rafael's a black belt, and I would look up what Michael is. Michael possibly is a black belt, but. I don't think at the near the level that Rafael Dos Anjos is. So um, everything right now would be automatically leaning towards um, RDA. I completely agree there. Um, if I remember correctly, I don't even know
1: if it's a belt system, but Michael Chiesa has a belt system on that sick jujitsu. I think it is the one. that. Oh, my uh, God.
0: Let's just stop talking.
1: <laughs> uh, the same one that. um the Same coach that doesn't believe in body shots, if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the body shots are, yeah, they ever been hitting the liver, you'll, you'll shut up. Yeah, so, um, and judging by that, one of the best uh body kickers that's out there is Rafael Desanios. <laughs> no, but um, similar for me, what I would do is I would look at that and I would just initially put the striking advantage uh, striking advantage to rafael dosanos obviously this, this is two former lightweights michael Chiesa is only or Chiesa is only at this i think it's his second third third fight at 170 so sometimes new into a weight class can depend on it But Michael Chase has a tendency to put himself in bad positions and squander fights. So initial lean would be towards Rafael Losanios. Obviously, he has a better jujitsu pedigree. He is a more consistent striker. He has better cardio and he doesn't just get frustrated and put his neck into bad spots terms of strength, I would throw it on Chesa. This would be one of those ones that would be odds-dependent for me. We haven't actually brought that up, so that's a a good point. I forgot to bring that up. Obviously, there's ones you have initial leanings on, but sometimes what turns that into a bet is the number. So if you have one that you really, really think is going to win, but you see it and it's minus 300, then you might as well back away. There's no there's no value on that. But if one that you think should be a minus 300 is pushing plus money, well, then that's absolutely worth it. Um, so I yeah. so, Mike, how do you what, what do the odds do to you? Like let's say you have a fight that you think should be a pick'em, but it's minus one th- minus 300 for the guy that you don't think should be favored.
0: It's minus 300 for the guy that I don't think should be favored. I- I'm stoked that uh, I got, I'm getting good odds on the guy I like. So I'm going to definitely flick a couple units on that plus money. But um, if it's the opposite way and um, my guy's just uh super favored, I still got to believe in my pick and myself and I got to put the money down on the money line and just ride it because that's, there's a system and you just got to believe in yourself.
1: absolutely um here's hoping this guys this gave you guys a little bit of a window into how we have the early goings of picking who we might uh, decide on for a bet obviously to the degree you delve into each one depends on how much you know about said fighter like if i have one fighter i really really like i don't know much about his opponent that's going to take a lot more tape study than it normally would but i try to stick with fights where i know both fighters very well because then that shortens some of that time you need to study fights. Yeah. So um, uh, moving on, we could probably go back and forth. This. We could give you a full breakdown of something. But you know what? It's probably better that we just delve into UFC 246. That's what most of you want to hear anyway. And that you can kind of get our views on that. Any questions you guys have about breaking down fights, doing further tape study, tendencies we look for, anything like that? Our DMs are always open or just. To shoot us a message. It's on Twitter. Again, I'm at MMA State of Mind and Mike is at Don't Cope Just Win. Feel free to follow and send messages. We're always up for talking. If we don't respond to you right away, it's not because we don't like you. Some uh, A little bit of news and notes before we get into the preview. A uh, one fight announcement that just happened that today is Kevin Lee versus Charles Dobronx Oliveira in Brazil in March. I believe it's Brasilia, Brazil. Do Bronx. So, so Mike any any uh early leans on that one one that you would like to see the number for, any of it
0: oh uh, man i i i automatically i just love du bronx so and his jiu jitsu is so sick uh, i don't think that kevin lee would like him on his back i'd like to see the numbers though um i'd hope that they'd favor kevin lee uh somehow but i, I don't know Well, judging how the
1: last fight went with Greg Gillespie, I have to imagine that what always happens with Kevin Lee fights after he has a great performance is they overcorrect and he's going to be a big favorite. Um, This is one of those matchups where I would say Kevin Lee is the better fighter. But I really like Dobronk's chance to lock up a sub, as Kevin Lee has been known, to get himself locked into quick submissions. So dog money on Do Bronx is always worth it, in my opinion, especially when he has a clear uh, path to victory in a submission. So I'd be excited if I get any kind of plus money. If it's plus 200 or higher, I will just video a dance and post it on some type of social media. I don't know. Mike, any further thoughts or anything for this particular matchup, or any other fights you heard about before I go into a tragic cancellation and then moving on?
0: Uh no, I just I'm looking forward to this fight for sure because this this is going to prove where, to me where Kevin Lee's real game is at because uh, Gregor Gillespie is good and he was undefeated and ha- had a lot of hype and I l- I hyped him up myself, but um, he's still not Du Bronx, so I want to I- I'm excited to see this. Completely agree, and you know what? If you, We're going to stitch back to uh, last week's show, so for those
1: of you that did not listen to it, you might want to go back. We played this fun game where it was pick someone in the rankings within the division that's not the current champion, you can't pick the current champion, that will touch UFC gold at some point that year. They won't necessarily be the champ at the end of the year, but they will touch it at some point. And I took my big swing and I said Charles Dobronk. So you know what? If he wins this fight, man, he's probably only one win away from said title fight. So I'm going to hold on to that one and give myself a shot because I believe Kevin Lee is at least top 10, if not higher up. So let's go to the Bronx. So the tragic cancellation that I'm referring to it was actually going to be a very, very good fight. I was really excited to watch it. It was going to be on UFC 246. Grant Dawson versus Chaz Skelly has been canceled. Uh, Grant Dawson posted this on his social media earlier today. He said it was canceled due to Things out of his control. I'm not necessarily sure what that means. I don't know if it's a Sounds family like thing or it's <laughs> very possible. I mean, hey, that's that's the go-to. That was my Ster- favorite
0: steroids.
1: That was my favorite thing, and I guess we could talk about it later when we bring up Holly Holm was when she did cancel her bout against uh, Raquel Pennington that was going to be in Australia. She didn't say she had a leg injury or had a foot injury. She uh, canceled the fight to undisclosed lower body injury. Like the more vague you get, the more we all just think it's steroids of some type. But again, that's just because it's MMA and I'm sorry, all of your favorite fighters are likely on steroids, but you know what?
0: My brother, my brother was a fighter. He was on steroids. I saw a lot of motherfuckers on steroids. (laughs) Nate Diaz, your favorite fighter. He says they're on steroids. Motherfuckers are on steroids. Dude, did you hear uh, what probably happened with him? Remember how before the last fight, he got in trouble for having a SARM
1: in his system? So he uh, invested heavily in a supplement company. He's either a major, either they gave him a piece of it to be the face of it, or he—it's actually his whole company. But the multi—the vegan multivitamin that they came out with, you started just put that on the band saw. The band substances. Yeah, but like a suspicious, substance. like it's not officially on there, but like that some of the bottles have popped for the same exact SARM that he popped for. (laughs) So I'm sorry, just throwing, that was a little off the cuff, but I'm sorry, I I just laughed hysterically when I heard that today. But uh, either way, Grant's Awesome uh, Chess Scully was going to be a great scrap, but we'll actually move on to the actual preview of UFC 246, okay? This may not be the most stacked card, but one thing I will say as I was making our notes for today is it's got some good names at least. Like, I could actually recognize the vast majority of names on the entire card, and I for sure know everyone on the main card, which, for those of you who don't know, there's plenty of cards where most even diehard MMA fans can't do that. The first part we're going to talk about is Asker Askarov. He is currently a minus-135 favorite over one-time title challenger in this flyaway division here, Tim Elliott. He is plus-115. Asker Askarov is coming off a split draw. To Brandon Moreno. Uh, we were on Moreno in that particular fight, and I was nothing but surprised at how Askarov performed. I was utterly impressed because I think of Brandon Moreno, and I know Mike does very highly. So to compete against him that well and arguably win that fight has done a lot to selling me towards him. And I've gone back and watched more of his fights more in depth and have probably rewatched that draw fight quite a few times because it's very entertaining. That was only about three and a half months ago didn't sustain any injuries he's ready to go back at it um tim Elliott, however is coming off a first round submission loss to davison figueredo mike was on figueredo there it was a good win for us in the first round quick sub quick sub actually davison figueredo is now going to fight joseph benavidez after that fight for the vacant 125 strap that was tim Elliott's first fight in almost two years like a month or two shy of that after having a torn acl 125 has always been a very hard weight class for Elliot to consistently make. So it's going to be death's door to make that yet again for him. He has looked like utter garbage recently. And I'm sorry. I know that that is harsh. And we probably shouldn't say that to fighters because I know I'm not a fighter, but, and I know Davidson Figueredo is a great fighter, but, one of the main reasons, if you go back to that show, that I backed off and didn't want to bet Figueredo is because I didn't know what kind of Elliot would show up, how he would come back after his ACL uh, repair and all of that. I mean, uh, he's at a good camp. He is at the camp uh, with James Krause where he's coaching. And he's a great coach. But, I don't know, Tim Elliott just has always been, he's a great scrambler, but by doing so puts himself in bad positions. And I just see Askar Askarov, muscling him controlling not allowing him to go for scrambles and i don't think he even has as fast as scrambles now that his knee is nowhere near where it was um i'm gonna go ahead and spill the beans on this i have a bet on asker Askarov, the minus 135 to win one unit um i'm also going to pass to mike and i know mike has it as part of a bet but mike how do you feel about Askar
0: Askarov versus the one-time title challenger tim elliott Oh, I'm excited to watch this fight. There's going to be a lot of uh, cool transitions and little scrambles until uh, I, what I believe is Tim Elliott's just going to get either submitted or flatlined. But it's going to be a fun fight to watch because Elliott does give his all every single time he gets in the octagon. And so I'm excited to see Askarov again because uh, him last time versus Brandon Moreno, when they did the draw, it was an amazing, an amazing fight. It could have went either way like it did, and that's why it was a draw. And so I'm looking forward to seeing him put on a performance versus a scrub. Now, we're about to find out
1: if this the hype is real. We're about to find out if someone has a chance, a slim chance, judging by who's actually the champion in that division, but has a chance to be the youngest UFC champion Ever. That's right. Macy Barber is a currently minus 900. That's right. I said it. Minus 900 favorite against Roxanne Modafari, who's plus 600. Yes, Macy Barber has a similar odds scenario as the champ Valentina Shevchenko has to almost every single person in the entire division. Is Barber worth that hype? Modafari hasn't been finished in almost seven years. Can Barber do it? I mean, I know she's a, a, like a tank that goes straight forward and goes for that finish. Matafari is a crafty veteran. Obviously, this is a striker versus grappler with Barber going forward. This will be the first time that someone's going to be almost exclusively going for the subs. I mean, Jillian Roberts did a little bit, but Matafari is almost exclusively... A grappler. She's finally shortened up her striking a little bit. And don't get me wrong. Yes, Barbara should absolutely steamroll her. It should be a highlight finish. All of these wonderful, wonderful things. But I have said previously. I said on our on our awards podcast, on bets we're looking forward to and stuff like that. I got a feeling about Madafari, man. I mean, she's a crafty veteran. Yeah, it might blow up in my face that she's going to be completely taken out. I'm not sure how much it's going to be. I still might wait to see that if the odds get absolutely crazy. But I'm going to at least have like a quarter or half a unit, or something like that on Matafari, because, I mean, she just did this. She just out-veteraned a hyped-up job in Valentina Shevchenko's sister, Antonia, and got that win. I mean, I don't see how she can't outlast Barber and possibly get a split decision, or a decision in subcapacity. So, you know what? Barber might be the future. Actually, I believe that's her nickname. But is the past, and... There ain't no school like the old school. I don't know. I don't know where to go with that one. But um, so I'm, I'm debating on a Modafari bet. It's going to be small. Probably going to be by decision. It's probably which I'll quick look that up for everybody since I do have that open. That might be an even more ridiculous number than what we are currently at. It better be the, like five thousand for you. Uh, it's got to be something like that. Let's see. Aldana uh, Modafari. Let's go. My, no, it's by TKO. What's by decision? Give me a decision. Give me a decision. Give me a decision. Wins by decision plus 1,110. So, the money line's better almost. No, dude, for, for her, money line's plus 600. This is almost double that. Well, uh, I guess that's true. Yeah, so that, that's I, gonna be. I, I, I might be throwing a quarter unit on that because even for a quarter unit on that, I'm winning. A, a good chunk of change. So
0: I'm just, I'm just I'm just a little a little worried Macy has been training over Ben Askren at his wrestling academy oh, and so absolutely. and so that that makes me a little worrisome. I know everyone hates uh, Ben Askren but his wrestling uh skills and pedigree are still for real. And so if she's listening at all, that that could be a little bit of a problem for our dorky Roxanne who I do believe in. I've uh I've believe we believed in her last time versus Antonia. So I think that uh she can do it again. It's just this numbers; these numbers are ridiculous.
1: No, that's that's more than anything. Like, if the numbers were closer, like if if Barbara was a minus two fifty three hundred favorite, I'd be telling you guys that she is a great parlay piece. She has a really really good chance to win, like more so than what I would give her. But once you start getting to this minus nine hundred category and stuff like that for someone who's still technically unproven, I'm those are the ones that these are the random. Uh, big upsets that happen throughout the year is when you have someone that's untested gets tested and then they don't pass the test. So like I said, it's like, I might be betting this in some capacity, whether it be decision or straight, especially if the number keeps climbing, but like, like I said, like we talked about in the breaking down the fights, sometimes the odds are what do it for you. And right now, these odds are kind of doing it for me. But I know you already gave a little bit of your two cents, and I would agree with and let anyone know that listens to this, we are Askren fans on, on this show. I mean, we, we still like seeing Jorge Masvidal take him out, but we're some of the few that were fans going back with him, going to Bellator and all that stuff. And he made me so much money in Bellator, man. <laughs> except, except one fight. Except one fight because I started betting him either – uh, in the over or by decision. And then he had the one fight. Was it against Karishkov where they finally called the TKO in under four and a half? And I had over four and a half. That was, I think that was the only time that that, uh, that came bit me in the butt, but either way, um, any other insights on this fight, particularly like how you see it going? Like, do you just see the,
0: the first round steamroll or, oh man, uh, uh, I, be. Roxy can get lit up because she's so vulnerable to damage. So I don't know, man, I I just don't trust um, a a female to do that. So I'd say no, no, I'll go with there. And I think I want to give the credit to
1: um, James Lynch. I was listening to his podcast today. Uh, If you don't know James Lynch, it's Lynch on sports. He's on Twitter, like pretty much any fighter you want to hear an interview for. He's likely got one. If you really do like barber, Modifari is hard to finish. So Barber currently is minus 900. That's crazy, right? Barber by decision is plus 265. So you still get the person that you think is going to win. All you got to do is trust Modifari to be able to make it to the final bell, Which could happen easily,
0: which is the best bet for Barber.
1: Exactly. So all in all, I would say probably the best bet in this fight for the odds is plus 265 her barber by decision granted that might blow up in my face if she just goes right across the cage and takes out matafari but you know what i i think the old vet can at least make it to the bell so whatever moving on anthony pettis my favorite fighter no that is an absolute lie if you've heard me talk about it you know i've always perpetually thought he was overrated in a tremendous degree because i don't think he ever shortened up his hands so a superior boxer can always handle him and even though he's been training with high profile wrestlers. So that's a deal. Although I I do think she puts more into it than Pettis ever did. Pettis was training with Ben Askren for, I don't know, the last like 12 years. He still hasn't learned how to wrestle. So I think that's more a Pettis issue than an Askren issue. But Anthony Pettis uh, coming off that. Nate Diaz loss is back at 155. He is currently plus 190 against Carlos Diego Ferreira, who is minus 230. Carlos Diego Ferreira is uh, currently surging, well, is at the surging Fortis MMA. He has a five-fight win streak going. His last fight was over Maribak Tysimov, who we are both high on and think he is an incredibly technical striker, more so than Pettis, in my opinion. Pettis is 2-3 and three in his last five and 4-7, and seven, starting with his title loss to RDA. How do you feel about this fight, Mike? I'll let you get this breakdown first because you were the first one to tell me about how much you like Carlos Diego Ferreira here. Uh,
0: man, I've been waiting months for this matchup. Um, I absolutely love uh, Carlos Diego Fiera. He's a third-degree BJJ black belt, and he's just vicious when you, he gets you in top control or gets you in a submission or gets you anywhere on in his world. So I, I don't. Pettis is not going to like any of that. And the other thing is that uh, Diego has learned to strike really, really well now. He's not just a jiu-jitsu player. He's not like uh, some jujitsu guys who just go in there and just pray for a takedown. He has really, really heavy hands, and he's also trying to be technical with them now. Um, I think he's only suffered uh, one uh, defeat uh, in his runs rec- of recent, and uh, since that one, he's learned a lot. And so I just I think that Pettis is, is just not there anymore. He's a shell of himself. I think that Carlos Diego Fiera could easily go in there and take care of business. And I believe that he's going to go in there and put Showtime's lights out and put him to sleep. I agree with you in
1: basically every aspect of that. I'm trying not to have that sour anything because I know that I am very low on Pettis in general. Um, Mike, do you want to bring up the bet that you
0: have in regards to this fight? Yeah, actually, that I totally forgot. Of I'm going <clears throat> I like Diego Ferreira so much. Um, months ago, I, I we were hoping to get a better number um, because uh, everyone is on the same side that I am right now um, in the sense of the sharps. They see the talent in D- Carlos Diego Ferreira. Um, I, I don't like giving out the money line right now on him because it's a little too hefty. So I was actually gonna throw down a, a parlay of Carlos Diego Ferra and Askar Askarov combined for some for a plus what was it bob i believe it'll come out to plus 150 so i believe in the, both those guys will get it done that night and so I, I like the plus money on them too and i agree with mike
1: there I will likely also have a bet on that i know that's doubling up on ask Askarov for me but you know what I was debating playing Askarov to win two units regardless, so this is a way for me to do that and also somehow get some money on Carlos Diego Ferreira, who we are both very high on, and I'm also just as high on Carlos Diego Ferreira as I am low on Anthony Pettis. Now, in the next fight, we have Alexa Grasso, minus 115 versus one-time near title winner, perpetual number two in the division, Claudia Gadea at minus 105. Uh, In my opinion, Grasso hasn't quite lived up to her initial hype. Uh, It is actually the other Mexican porn fighter that seems to have surpassed her. Again, in my opinion, uh, she has always struggled with strong wrestlers and ground specialists. But I wonder if Gadea's gas tank can last long enough to get the decision or find a submission. Um, Or is Grasso's boxing enough? Uh, I was initially debating with a bet on this fight. I do and have always really liked Claudia Gadea and her game. But it almost seems that her gas tank is getting worse and worse, whereas initially she would win the first two rounds guaranteed and then would only come into issue if it was a five round fight. Now she's at about a round and a half. So if someone has a dominant end of second round, she's starting to lose these decisions. Um, One reason I was leaning towards her in a more major way is this is a very close line for someone against Grasso who has been out grappled by some of the people like Felice Herrig and no offense to Felice Herrig. And although that was earlier in her career, not Felice Herrig's career, Grasso's career. I think that even Gadea of today is a substantially better grappler than Felice Herrig. So unless Grasso has gotten much better in her wrestling, there might be some issue here. So I was debating on a bet with Gadea as of right now, I have no bet on this fight. Obviously keep your eye on Twitter. Um, We always post our bets on Twitter. So if there's ones that get added on after this show, they will be on there. But I guess that's all I have to say for this fight. Mike, how do you feel about Alexa Grasso, the lesser version of one of your favorite female fighters against Claudia Gadea?
0: Actually, um, both these two. I I had um, Alexa Grasso and um, uh, Aldana on my sites coming up in Mexico for a long, long time. Um, like you said, I, it, it's, it was weird. They both kind of flip and flop back and forth about uh, who I thought was more talented. And it's crazy that Aldana has came, has definitely seemed to shine uh, brighter. Definitely as of late. Um, Grasso has, has, she has really good sh- boxing and striking. I don't, I don't know what her problem is. She just, she seems maybe she's too sweet. She never wants to turn it on and actually hurt somebody. Um, and She's only a purple belt in BJJ. Claudia uh, Godelia is a second degree uh, black belt in BJJ from a, a real Brazilian Jiu Jitsu school. I, 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 it's major major trouble for Grasso on the ground. Um, I, I'd say that Grasso has the way better striking. If she can stuff every takedown for all three rounds, she'll win the fight. But I, I just think that in the purple belt versus a second degree black belt. And the veteran, the crafty veteran, Godelia should be able to get her down and easily submit her. I just don't. They're just two different levels on the ground and two different worlds, and uh, she should show that. If Godelia doesn't show that, then she just disgraced herself and everybody. Ah, oh, Mike, you're
1: almost getting me wanting to bet Godelia. Oh well, it might happen, but you're, since you're kind of on my similar wavelength, I'm starting to lean that way. But I oh, will. As of, as of right now, it's, it's still a no. I'm going to hold true to that. And we'll see where things go. If she starts hitting plus money, I borderline won't be able to help myself. But as of right now, she's minus 105, keeping my distance. Uh, Next, we have a heavyweight matchup between the Boa Constrictor. That's right. Alexi Olenek, Mr. Ezekiel choke himself, is plus 115 underdog versus Maurice Green, minus 135. Green is coming off a first-round KO loss um, and has also been submitted in the past within his 10-fight pro career. And the reason that's significant is because Alexey Olenek is a 61 pro fight veteran. And he has submitted higher profile, higher ranked opponents than Green. But ultimately, this is an athleticism versus experience type fight. Green is younger, faster, better athlete, higher ceiling, all of these things. Whereas Alexi Olenek has a type of choke that seems to only work on heavyweights but you know what he gets it so i'm leaning olenic i like that he's a dog i'm not there yet i believe him by submission is even higher i can look up that up in a minute uh i'm gonna pass it off to mike because i guess my initial pick is olenic but no bet so mike how do you feel about alexi olenic versus Maurice green
0: uh man uh, olenic uh, he definitely pulls off some submissions that he definitely shouldn't in uh no Gi Jiu Jitsu. I, I I just I don't think he wants to be hit by Maurice Green and 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 stand there long. So I mean I don't like the fight at all. I don't really like uh the matchup. I, I just I think it's weird. But I, I would have to I would have to lean and it's such a big heavyweight matchup that that Maurice Green's hands could land and and uh, Olenek's night. I just don't trust that those heavyweight guys, but I also I'm not touching the fight. No, I'm with you on
1: there. I mean, this level of heavyweight fight, crazy stuff can happen. Uh, I said I would look it up for you guys. Olenek by submission is plus 180, so a substantially bigger number than him straight, and likely that will be the way he wins, but obviously heavyweight fights are tricky, especially this level of heavyweight, because after it gets past The round and a half to second round mark stuff gets sloppy and anything goes. So that's why in general, we stay away from heavyweight fights whenever we can. And I suggest you do too, unless you have a really, really good read on it. So we're going to move on to the co-main event of the evening. This is Holly Holm. She is a minus 140 favorite versus Raquel Rocky Pennington, who's plus 120. Will it be as close as the first fight? A lot of people scored their initial fight for Rocky Pennington. This was in Holly Holm's debut. It was a split decision win for Holly Holm. Um, Holly Holm is now 38, and I would be curious if she's done in terms of UFC titles uh, with that regard, given her age and the wear and tear of not only this pro MMA career, but the pro kickboxing and pro boxing career that she had before it. Um, Obviously, striking advantage, I would lean home in a pretty dramatic way, given her boxing acumen and boxing titles and also her kickboxing pennington is pretty much strictly a boxer and much slower uh shorter reach not as fast a lot of stuff like that one of these days home however will show up old and i worry that this is after home has gone through a pretty devastating finish the first in her ufc mma career uh finished due to strikes by amanda noon's about six months ago, I like that it's six months, uh, when this was originally slated, she was going to fight pa- Raquel Pennington only three months after the fact. So this has given her brain more time to heal, at least in terms of concussion, concussive trauma. Um, my initial pick is just home. I have no bet on this fight, just given those concerns. But Mike, I know you're a little bit higher on home than I am. So by all means, break down this co-main event fight.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been a big fan of Holly Holm her whole career. I bet her versus Ronda Rousey when she, uh, defeated her and won the championship. I couldn't have been happier that night. And so I, I don't know if it's a, a small love affair. Even my lady has a small love affair for Holly Holm. And, um, and so I, I love her. I just, I think her striking is way superior than, uh, Raquel Pennington. Um, I know that uh, she did suffer her first vicious uh, knockout, but that was versus Savage and Amanda Nunez. Holly Holm has been knocked out before when she was a a professional boxer, and so she she did come back and win a unanimous decision immediately after versus the same person who knocked her out. So she's not the type of person to get knocked out and uh, run from it. She was the type to get knocked out, to come back and beat the person who knocked them out. So I, I expect Holly Holm to be fierce enough to come in here and gritty enough to just d- be defensive, circle a move and and outpoint her because she's the better fighter, in my opinion. I was about to uh, throw a bet down on Holly Holm, but it's just the age difference, the sloppiness of uh, the, the Raquel. I don't trust that, but um, I, I really do like Holly Holm. I think she could win this fight and her money line has dropped down tremendously. So negative 145 for her isn't too shabby
1: no, i agree there especially in terms of her experience and all that stuff it's definitely a good number and better than it normally would be it has to have been the uh, knockout loss recently that is what caused that number because in almost any other scenario should at least be minus 200 now go into the main reason we're here go into the main event go into the first pay-per-view of 2020 likely the biggest probably within the first half of that year until at least one person in this main event fights again Conor McGregor is coming back from his I wouldn't say lengthy hiatus um just over a year now I think it's 15 months since he fought Nurmagomedov in October of 2018 he is a minus 330 favorite against Donald Cerrone who is plus 270 one quick question I have to give to you uh, before we even do the breakdown. I'm going to throw out two questions. Uh, I'll give them both to you and then you could break them each down and then I'll give my spiel and then we can actually get into the breakdown here. Um, first is what does this being at 170 do to the matchup just in your opinion? And then do you see McGregor touching UFC gold again at any point in his career? And if so, a scenario where you could see that happening
0: um putting it at 170 gives you the advantage of the advantage of not having a diet as extreme during camp which to someone that uh, is cutting already drastically is huge um my brother uh, walked around about 195 he cut down to 170 and i know that every single pound he had to look after and it was it was difficult for him he was oftentimes eating just white rice and seaweed strips uh, it was pretty. You know, gross. he doesn't really. It's not. They're not enjoying themselves. So I, I could see why that could be. Uh, like, why would that be appetizing for them to want to go to 170 so they could also eat? No pun intended. And um, I, a touching gold, man. Um, knowing the UFC, probably, man. I they'd set up some kind of matchup like this one where uh, we'll get into it a little bit deeper. But I, I just possibly. For
1: me, really the only thing that 170 pound does at it, and I've heard a lot of people harp on this, like being obsessive over the fact that it's at 170. It's like, come on, these are two 155 pounders fighting at 170. Really, all it means is they're just not cutting weight. Like you said, they're not being obsessed with food to an extreme degree. They're probably dieting down, but then they just don't have to cut the water weight. I believe I heard... From McGregor in an interview that he's actually currently underweight, about like one sixty eight, and I would bet Cerrone is no higher than one seventy five right now. So if he does have to cut anything, well, likely not because he has enough days just to diet that down. I, I this I'm sorry. This is at one seventy because of the BMF title and Jorge Masvidal. In my opinion, that's the only thing it's about. I think whoever wins this is going to go for that. I know. Dana is obsessed with the Nurmagomedov fight, which might happen in the future if he beats Tony. But that fight is so far away now already. like That's not even happening until March or April. I can't remember which. So there's enough time for this fight to happen and for the winner of this fight to get another fight in. There's no way that if McGregor wins, he's not going to go on the mic and call for... Yeah. Jorge Masvidal. And there's no way that Don Cerrone, if he's going to win, isn't going to go on the mic and call for Jorge Masvidal, given the fact that he even has a BMF ranch. Why isn't he going to go for the belt as well?
0: Yeah, that, so. that that's the best uh, view I've heard all week. I mean, I, I didn't even think of that, but I, I knew that obviously they're setting them up for some some kind of money making shows down the line. And the BMF is the next best thing besides a title shot. So that's if it's not a title shot, it's definitely that BMF thing that you just said, because I I didn't even think of that.
1: Yeah, and that's just where I've been sitting with this for the last couple of weeks. Everyone just obsession with it. I'm like, just forget that it's at 170. That's the only reason it's at 170 and move on. Um, in terms of McGregor touching gold again, I would assume it's going to happen at some point in his career, whether they slide him into an interim spot at some point, a vacant title. Uh, well, I'm not going to count the BMF title, but I guess maybe that if he would beat Jorge, which I wasn't sure he would be able to, or like a newly minted 165 pound division. I don't know, something to get McGregor in there, which it will. Um, I do think also that Nurmagomedov isn't far from retirement. I think if he beats Tony, we might get one more fight out of him, maybe. And if he loses to Tony, he'll probably just want the rematch. And then if he loses twice, then he's gone. I do not see him long for this world. So sliding McGregor in there would not be that hard of an issue for me. Um, You got something, Mike? No, I just was just reaching up to unmute oh no worries um and then in terms of the matchup i'll actually i'll let you break down the matchup first so just for the fight we're getting rid of all the noise in terms of the fight skill for skill or how you see the fight going how do
0: you see conor mcgregor versus cowboy Cerrone going this i i see this as the most favorable matchup for conor mcgregor in in so many years south paws are kind of Donald Cerrone's Achilles heel I mean he can't get off his leg kicks as well so I mean that takes away a big um, uh, cushion in his offense and the weapon in his arsenal and so that that is just uh, weird Conor McGregor also has this sniper left hook left hand that comes in so fast that just people just will not believe it and he's got superior reach um, I know it sound like a total Conor Dick writer, which I'm totally not. This is probably the first time I've ever even gotten this hyped about him. Um, I, I really believe that Conor McGregor is going to go in there and uh, hit Donald Stroney so many times to the body that Donald's uh, that's it. Donald's real biggest weakness is his body, just like George Masvidal exposed and many other people. When pressure's coming forward and big hits and big shots are coming at Donald's body, he tends to break and then gas and then end up on the floor, TKO, KO'd. But um, I think Conor McGregor has learned so much in the in the Mayweather fight, uh, getting beat up by Khabib, even though there's a lot of haters. Uh, you learn a lot in those type of, of situations. I, I wish that Conor was a better person, but I also wish that Mike Tyson was too. So it doesn't really matter in fighting. Uh, I just want, I just can't wait to watch Conor go out there this weekend and uh, make MMA uh, just exciting uh, at the start of the year. I really believe Connor Conor McGregor go in there and land that left hook right across Donald Stroni's chin and just sleep him. Pretty much agree in all regards there. Um,
1: One thing that I would think would really drive the point home. Currently we are recording. It is Tuesday night. Tomorrow night on Wednesday, they're going to do a press conference. Now, I already think this is a favorable matchup for Conor McGregor. I think he has all the things that normally will beat Donald Cerrone. He is an aggressive southpaw. He has great counter shots. He keeps distance with the body. He's one of the few fighters that really digs with uppercuts to the body when they're striking. Um, Conor McGregor has just been finished recently and has several first-round losses to his career, some recently and some in the past, but... There's, I believe, we looked it up, and there's five, um, three of which are the three of, wh- of those are due to strikes and by southpaws. Towns Cerrone just in the big lights he shrinks up. The, bit he, the big fight has always eluded him. Um, the Papa Cerrone thing is a myth. He he's two and two, I think, as a father, so that's not a thing either. Um, one thing that will shut down Cerrone is if you can really challenge him mentally. That's one thing that Cal, that McGregor hasn't really done thus far leading up to this fight. Obviously, I know it's a slow buildup. If he really presses, and I mean really presses, like I'm talking name, like the littlest things of name calling or just saying that Cerrone will be too scared to stand with him, like these these type things. If he does this kind of stuff at the press conference and really puts on a show, I think it even more goes into conor mcgregor's favor and dermal most of it's in his favor as is but uh, i do think he's gonna get the finish i do think it's gonna be in the first two rounds and although this is an official pick yet because i'm not sure on the unit spread i'm gonna do for it but me and mike have talked about that we think the best value on this main event is both Conor McGregor round one and Conor McGregor round two. Currently Conor McGregor round one is plus 165 and Conor McGregor round two is plus 310. So if you do a little bit of unit splitting on both of these, the most likely way for Conor to win, you're going to end up at plus money regardless in the main event. And you're getting way better odds than the minus 330 that he is in straight. I would put on the fact that well over 90% of the time, if he wins, it's going to be in these first two rounds. So you putting one unit on plus 165 and half a unit on plus 310, you're guaranteed to walk away with winning money in that main event. It's just a little sprinkling. And that's if you think Conor McGregor is going to win, which the odds are currently saying that he is. And that's what we're thinking he's going to do too. So Mike, how are you feeling about those round odds that we have talked about or any other thing else you want to bring up on this main event?
0: I just think if you if you do like Conor, um, the money line is a little too steep right now, especially versus a veteran like Donald Cerrone. But the plus money on those first two rounds, which are most likely the rounds that Conor wants to get it done, he wants to come here and show everyone that he's the old Conor McGregor, but changed. So I, if he wants to get it done and, and show everyone a big show, he needs to come over here and spark a fire and get things going and knock him out in the first or the second. So I absolutely love both rounds, and I would I wouldn't mind putting a unit on both of them, uh, round one and two. So I most likely will personally. Even that, like if, if you're that confident in it, it's like that it's a
1: good play either regardless. Because if he wins in the first round, you're walking away with a uh, pl- uh, plus plus point six five units, and if he ends up winning in the second round, you're going to walk away with over two units. So it's like these are one of those spots where and. Anyone listening to this, I'm not normally a big prop guy, but if you're leaning Cal McGregor, these are the two things that are going to happen. Like, these are just, this is what's going to happen if he wins. There's a chance something else happens if he wins, but like, these are these slim margins. Now, before we leave, I want to at least give you guys the for sure bets on this card. We've brought up some other possibles and obviously keep locked into Twitter to find out how much we put on each one of these. But as of right now, we have two official bets. We, we always get at least that many on every show. Um, we, I, My bet is currently the money line to win one unit for Asker Askarov, and he's currently minus 135, so that's putting 1.35 units down to win one unit. And then Mike's is a parlay of Asker Askarov and Carlos Diego Ferreira, and that's for at plus 150, and that's one unit to win 1.5 so if both of ours hit we're at plus 2.5 for the night and that's for the show but obviously keep your eye on our twitter handles because we will have likely more bets between the two of us and let alone the other stuff that gets added to the website obviously check out the website at ma uh, at there will be other write-ups there will be other picks there'll be other bets we try our best to retweet and share all of those articles and picks, some of which are free. And also you can go on there for any additional packages like premium NFL and playoffs and whatnot that, as we've talked about last week, in agnosium that prime pretty much kills in all the sports I don't know about. So go team. Um, Mike, do you have anything to say for the people before we say goodbye for this week as we lead into UFC 246?
0: I just hope you guys enjoy the festivities this weekend and barbecue with your friends and family and uh, just uh, love them every day that you can, man, because everything is great. Now, we're going to get going, but you know what? Everyone enjoy the
1: crazy Irishman versus the cowboy, the Budweiser versus the proper 12, the... Allegations versus the Dune Buggies. I don't know. But you know what? It's going to be a great fight. Enjoy. We will be back next week to review that fight and go into UFC Raleigh where we get to talk about Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. Now, with that, let's roll. Let's roll.